Welcome, everybody. This is Omar Serrano with the Tilted Lawyer Podcast, and we are here to analyze and recap episode four of the Natalia Grace Barnett documentary that is currently being viewed on HBO Max. Episode was titled Episodes or Houses of Horror, and it details all of the abuse that she went through during her time with the Barnetts. So you're going to want to stick around for this one. Let's get started. Whatever you might be going through and wherever you might be, this is Omar Serrano with the Tilted Lawyer Podcast. I'm here to take your mind off of things. Yes, I'm an attorney. No, I'm not giving you legal advice. I want to sit and talk like people as these are the candid thoughts of one practicing attorney and it's after hours. So have a seat. Feel free to have a drink and join me. Let's get started. So episode four, um, after she is with the, the in the Tippa Canoe house, mm-hmm. they get her kicked out because of she can't renew the lease or whatever. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. They don't like her. <laughs> the scene opens up with her going back to the Barnett's house. She's sitting on a swing and she's sitting there with Antoine, Antoine Mann. Um, she re- she's giving her details. She remembers walking mm-hmm. around the block at that house without shoes. She remembers um, her feet bleeding because she's walking around without mm-hmm. shoes. Um, she says that I'm so blessed to just be alive. And she recounts that, you know, neighbors were witnessing this abuse. Mm-hmm. Nobody they did anything. Do. Nobody mm-hmm. came to my aid. Nobody stopped to say anything. Nobody, uh, uh, offered any help or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and she described looking at the Barnett's house, which they no longer live in, as mm-hmm. the equivalent of looking at a haunted house. Um, she said that I wanted to tell the neighbors what was happening. They were good friends with the Barnett's. Nobody mm-hmm. was going to believe me. And indeed, they didn't believe her. Yeah. Because multiple neighbors have um, at the, said at the prompting of the Barnett's, mm-hmm. I believe that Natalia was a sociopathic killer. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the spray tan lady? Yes. Well, she comes in and Natalia gets the chance to confront her here in episode four. Um, and we'll, we'll talk to that. Rachel Ambler with the mm-hmm. uh, with the most yes. Donald Trumpiest of Trumpy looking spray tans yes. you've ever seen. Oh, <laughs> and it was it, it was almost comical because she was so ready. Mm-hmm. She's getting ready for her big television appearance to the producers from HBO Max or it wasn't HBO Max is uh, the uh, ID channel okay. investigative discovery. Yes. And so she has her hair done. She's in her best Sunday clothes and she's got the spray tan going. She's all smiles and she's sitting makeup down. Makeup is done. <laughs> makeup is done. She's sitting down with Natalia and she thinks she's going to go relive. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what good times. Is that what she thought? But Natalia just kind of flips the script and uh, we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. But so the spray tan neighbor, Rachel awkwardly tries to recount the happy memories. Oh, I remember he used to come over. He mm-hmm. was cute as a button. He would play with little Gracie, her daughter. And yes. it was all good times. And Natalia's like, yeah. Because she clearly has something she's got to say, yes. right? And so I mean, Natalia, we didn't come here to talk about good times. Yeah, I'm not here to BS with you, right? Yeah. I have a, you know, something I got to get off my chest. Natalia says, "What exactly did Christine tell you when she came here?" Mm-hmm. And this is kind of one of the first times in the documentary where I could start to identify that she is um, a young lady trying to uh, put the pieces of the puzzle mm-hmm. together for yes. herself. Mm-hmm. This is what Rachel said. She came over. She was crying. Um, she had mentioned that Natalia was putting thumbtacks on the steps. She told um, Rachel, Christine told Rachel, mm-hmm. Rachel that Natalia was hiding knives in the mattress. 
And she says, that's what scared me. And I just sat here in shock, um, which I thought was so phony. She said, I was just sitting there in shock at all of this. Like, it's so unbelievable. But right prior to that, mm -hmm. when they introduced her, it was like, Christine came and that little kid was a sociopath. And if she was trying to harm my friend, then I was all in. I was on, I was on Team Barnett's. And she was talking about, like, what a little um, S that Natalia yes. was being. And she was completely Team Barnett. Now she's trying to sit, switch it up where, okay, Christine was telling me all this stuff and it was just so unbelievable. Mm -hmm. I questioned all of it. Mm -hmm. and it was like, give me a break. No. What did you just say right there? <laughs> what the hell? Um, and at that point, she realizes, hey, this is not a friendly interview. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's in her Sunday best clothes and here's Natalia confronting her, raising her voice a little bit, mm -hmm. pleading her case. She says, I was upset. I didn't even get to say goodbye to Gracie. You guys just kind of mm -hmm. kicked me out. You shut me out. Um, I was cut off. I didn't know why. I was just a kid. And you didn't think twice about it. And at this point, you start to see Rachel get a little squirrely. Say, well, a little uncomfortable. Um, and she's like, well, I didn't know why. Uh, I didn't know what was going on. And Tal's like, well, did you ask? And mm -hmm. then uh, Rachel's like, well, I did ask him. And Natalia says, why didn't you come to me? Um this is what Rachel says. I didn't want to believe any of it. Mm -hmm. And she kind of plays the Michael card. Yes, she did. She says, I felt like she, meaning Christine, pushed me to believe it. Mm -hmm. They're really good talkers. And trust me, I feel terrible about all of this. But Christine sold me on the idea that you were a little sociopathic murderer. Mm -hmm. And so this is her explanation to all of it. Um Natalia proceeds to tell Rachel about how Christine overdosed her. And then Ambler with this shocked face. And she's just so um, discombobulated at this mm -hmm. moment. She was not expecting no. <laughs> this is what we were going to be talking about. Um, but so the shocked face, she says, I have no idea what to say. Um, she tries to explain that this was hard to believe. Um, and if I knew all that was going on, I would have snatched you mm -hmm. right up. And Natalia's like, well, then why didn't you? You know? Mm -hmm. Just she's just so done with it, and I, I sort of in that moment kind of felt bad for Rachel. Yes, <laughs> not because of you know she's whatever, but I just I feel like she's like this simple-minded person. Mm -hmm. She's one of these folks. She's the reason why religious cults exist. If you're a good enough talker, mm -hmm. if you have good enough charisma, you can get people like that mm -hmm. to believe or do or say anything. At this moment. Christine is her shepherd mm -hmm. and she is following Christine and now Natalia's in front of her and now she's following Natalia. Yes. It's like, gosh, the power of words. And you wonder why there's these financial Ponzi schemes that are so successful and religious cults that are so successful where they could literally get you to drink Kool-Aid that will lead you to the spaceship on the Haley Bop Comet back in 1998 or whenever that happened or the Jamestown incident uh, with um, uh, that one guy um, in the 70s, I think in 71 or 78, I forget. But people mm -hmm. like this mm -hmm. are the ones that are victimized by that. Mm -hmm. And there's so many of them. Oh, yes. There are so many of them. And so I felt bad for her in that regard. But, I mean, not in any other regard with that. And then she just was very gullible. Um, at any rate, so they, they, they have that whole deal. Um, they talk about Michael. At this point, he had gone through some stuff with Christine. Mm -hmm. What he went through was the whole Christine moving to Canada. Mm -hmm. um, 
to try to get rid of Michael and this whole thing. And so he'd gone through this whole thing where Christine's trying to get a restraining order against him or report him to the authorities. And so Michael is now team Natalia. He wants to apologize to her. Yeah. Um, he says, one of the best days of my life is when we adopted Natalia. He still had the cross that was given to Natalia after she had come, come home with him that day. It was that cross had grace on it, her middle name. Yes. They hung it in her bedroom when she came home. Um, and he says that I, Natalia, I would like to apologize directly to you. He's speaking to the camera. Like you could look into that one. He says, Natalia, <laughs> I want to apologize directly to you, not the world. Um, and he says, if we ever get a moment where we could have a conversation, you will get that. I'm assuming he means answers to her questions. Mm -hmm. But he says, I'm realistic enough to know that other people are going to think that I'm the devil, which he was right. A lot of people think that. Um, I think that he's worse than that. I think that he's a, um, the devil's jester performing the acts of uh, the devil's bidding, who is Christine. By the way, one of my comments, I responded to one of the YouTube comments mm -hmm. where I said that I thought that Christine was a monster. Mm -hmm. And then somebody chimed in, you were a monster. I was like, oh. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right so there's people in christine's corner for all i know that I might have been so. one of christine's relatives or a boyfriend or maybe it's that little person that's trying to like win her heart maybe it's christine herself but there's somebody some thinks uh, i don't worry about them social media there's people that i think are too bored and they just go into random yeah like comments and be like but there are people, there are people, despite everything that we know, mm -hmm. that have taken the Barnett's position okay. that will readily defend Christine. And, you know, oh, yeah. there's seven people, seven billion people in the world. You're going to have some of them. But his his retort to me was, you were a monster. It wasn't like evidence or, you know, stuff. It's like, is that right? A little child. <laughs> And it goes back to the thing. Remember I told you about good and evil. When you're yes. an attorney, you're representing. You never know if you're good or evil. Some people will always think they're evil, mm -hmm. even if you believe you're on the side of good. And it doesn't matter. That guy mm -hmm. called me a monster. Yeah. In my mind, whatever. Not about me, but this is his apology. So Ken Maxwell. Hey, who knows if it's one of your opposing parties. Oh, it might be. <laughs> that one guy. <laughs> you're a monster. There you go. Yeah. Um, Ken Maxwell, retired assistant special agent in charge of counterterrorism with that branch of the FBI, goes in to chime in. He was involved in the FBI investigation once law enforcement got involved in 2013. He said he had 30 years of experience with the FBI. Um, he said he was intrigued by this case. Um, he starts to talk about when she was dropped off in Lafayette oh, County. Yes. That's that house with the stairs? Yes. Okay. Here's what his, his summary of his investigation. There is a mountain of circumstantial evidence that gives a glimpse what they were thinking that supports that they had a plan that they were carrying out. Mm -hmm. And by securing an apartment in Lafayette, that was the next phase of the plan that was to get rid of Barnett's for good. Mm -hmm. And really, just to summarize it, this was Christine's plan. Mm -hmm. All right, so she's, a she's going to be a dependent for life because of her disability. Mm -hmm. What if I move to Canada and I'm fleeing out of fear of domestic violence on the part of Michael. And so she moves there and then she creates this video mm -hmm. of them arguing and submits it, goes to report Michael to the authorities. Immigration gets involved 
And then they have this whole showdown. She's being interrogated by law enforcement. She makes, they have this whole phone call that we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, But she basically tells Michael, you know what? You come over here, you're going to jail. You might as well just Mm -hmm. stay in the U.S., Michael. And that's where you kind of get a glimpse of like, wow, this lady is the devil. She is crazy. It reminds me, I once had a case that somebody did something similar. They, without going into details, they ended up having their ex pretty much convinced her to go back to her country. But I guess she was not... uh, she didn't have her paperwork no. uh, to be here. Yeah. So the, I guess the client at that time convinced her that he was going to help her, like fix the documents. And once she got there, like, bye-bye. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It happens and then a lot. it's like, okay, and you can't really cross. You can't really come. Like It is a move. I mean, once you cross <laughs> international lines, I mean, there's a lot of that's new variables you got to deal with. Yes, it's so this is one of them. <laughs> so they talk about her being dropped off in Lafayette. Mm-hmm. Prior to them going to Canada, they get her an apartment. This apartment was so ill-suited for people mm-hmm. with her condition. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. If I were to put you as a pregnant eight-month-old, eight-month-old, eight-month pregnant lady, mm-hmm. um, it was on the second floor yeah. of this apartment complex, this very steep, um, look like large stairs yes. um, in relation Steep to the Italian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was in this, like the worst part of town. Mm-hmm. There was literally gunshots going off during the documentary as they were filming. Um, it was not suited for her. It yeah. wouldn't be suited for you. Um, it, it wouldn't be suited for most. It was clearly this low-income, bad neighborhood, mm-hmm. um, not a good environment for her. So they drop her off there. Disabled nine-year-old. Um, Natalia says... So they helped move in, and once we were done moving in, I found out that that's where I was going to be living and that they were going to move to Canada. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. all right. Detective Brandon Davenport chimes in. He says, so when she was moved in to the Lafayette apartment, um, her specialized shoes, the $30,000 mm-hmm. shoes, were taken from her. Her walker was taken from her. You saw how she walks, yes. right? There's video of her like walking. She walks like this mm-hmm. largely pronounced limp is the way mm-hmm. I could would describe it. But it's um it looks very strenuous. If you had to walk mm-hmm. like that, you would get a cramp or sore. And yeah. she walks like that all the time. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have a walker. She walks you very clearly relying on the walker and her specialized shoes. Her foot drags on the pavement. Mm-hmm. It's difficult for her to move it. She talks about when she was without her shoes and walking around the block, her mm-hmm. feet would bleed. Mm-hmm. They were they were vital to her. They were $30,000 because they had to be able to withstand all of that um, wear, yeah. wear and tear, mm-hmm. right? Um, I mean, I don't know why that's what it cost, but I imagine they played into it. It had, it had special materials. Um, so they put her up there, and he says uh, that when he shows up, it's clearly not catered to a little person mm-hmm. for all the reasons we just described. Coincidentally, perhaps a stroke of fate for whatever you think of the man's after what has come out about the last show and the phone yeah. call and all that stuff— she is giving a lifeline. She comes into contact with Cynthia Mann. They meet her at the apartment. Um, and um, that's where they met the, the Manns. In the documentary, they have Cynthia go there with Natalia, and you can kind of get the visual about how mm-hmm. difficult it must have been for her to be by herself in that environment. And that's when the gunshots go off no, and all. From the first season, I don't remember, but wasn't the Manns kind of like neighbors? Yeah, they were neighbors. They lived in that area. Somehow they came into contact. But it was in 2013 when she was placed. 
they kind of scooped her mm-hmm, up exactly. and you know mm-hmm. i'm assuming with the best of intentions um i don't know if they were like a career foster parents or whatnot we talked about that yeah. a little bit on the last episode but um yeah th- she got a lifeline with mm-hmm. the mans they decided to take her in um but before all of that um you get the visual of how difficult it was for her to navigate the property it was a struggle just for her to unlock the door she said she would stand there for like five minutes trying to get the key in the lock or whatever mm-hmm. um and then in the video you could kind of see 21 year old natalia walking up the stairs she looked yes. like she was exhausted yes and um my wife would be exhausted walking mm-hmm. up those stairs. I think you would be exhausted. Mm-hmm. Like, it looks like uh, those kind of stairs that you would um, run up and down, like when you're in college on the wrestling team or whatever. That I used to, there's this hill that I used to run. <laughs> no I used to do sprints up this hill. And it was mm-hmm. like, the, you know, full of like a dust and dirt. And so mm-hmm. there's no falling down because there's prickly things and cactuses on the ground. Mm-hmm. But you're going up there and you're, you know, beside the point. But it just looked exhausting to get up there, up and down. Um, Michael chimes in. He says, So I'm at work. I get a phone call. This is the plan to go to Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, I get a phone call from Christine. He says, Michael, quit your job. All right. Call your boss. We're heading to Canada. And then she hung, hangs up. So she rents a car. She takes the boys. She leaves to Canada. They find a place to live. And she tells me, Michael, mm-hmm. that I have to sell everything that we own. Mm-hmm. And all right. So they're going to Canada then. Michael just goes along with it. This is kind of his MO. Um, so the FBI agent chimes in. He says, that this is not just a plan to get rid of Natalia. This is a plan to get rid of Michael. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, if you think about it from a layman's perspective, it's kind of clever. Yeah. Because it's like, if I'm in Canada as a fugitive from Michael, mm-hmm. I can't be forced to be made a dependent of Natalia, mm-hmm. even if she's disabled. He's the one over there, yeah. so make him the trustee of all of her affairs. If she's in Canada, well, while she gets harmed, she has plausible deniability. Well, what can I do? I'm out of the country. Exactly. That was kind of her thought process behind it. Um, she begins to distance herself from Michael. She begins to alienate her sons from Michael. And then Michael says, um, there was this moment. So they're in the car. Michael, mm-hmm. the boys, Christine. And you get a glimpse into what it must have been like to live with Christine. Mm-hmm. I could not imagine my wife ever talking to me like this. Mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine anybody talking to you like that. Mm-hmm. But she's basically saying that um, the book money is my money. All of this is mine and you were worthless and just going all in, just basically trying to get some kind of response out of Michael. Mm -hmm. And the way you hear Michael describe it, he's like this meek little sheep and Mm -hmm. like he's but this building fury. Mm -hmm. So keep on, keep on pushing. Say one more thing. Say one more thing. (laughs) And then he says, like, if you don't shut up, I'm going to kill you. Is he says he basically said that a couple of times, and then she films him saying that, and he says, "I know I said it. I shouldn't have said it." It's like, "Oh, you should have said a lot of things." He didn't let her talk to you like that in front of the kids, and there's that's a whole different dynamic. Yeah, but stand up for yourself at some mm-hmm. point. So when he does, that's when she turns into complete angel. Boys, <laughs> your dad's trying to kill us, but I'm going to protect you. We're going to go to Canada. We're going to get rid of your dad. Anyway, so she creates this video, which is kind of Rema. We identified that in the last episode, but why she does that. Um, the next thing you know, uh, Christine, she goes to a therapist. She tells her therapist all the things about Michael, mm-hmm. 
has done to her, I guess to, I guess, create a paper trail of evidence to corroborate that she's undergoing domestic violence. She becomes the victim. Yeah. Oh, I had a case just like this mm -hmm. the other day and it was great. I, I <laughs> That hearing went so well for my client. He was so happy because of these obvious lies. It reminds me a lot of Christine. This lady was off her rocker. Yes. Just all these crazy allegations. Not to get in that case. It's funny how um, we as attorneys have this reaction. It was great to something that to somebody <laughs> else will be like a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, they're going through it. But yeah. it, was, it was great because how many times have we seen these allegations come down yeah. as the owner attorneys? Like, we get so stressed out. We don't mm -hmm. know how to handle it. But, you know, I've been doing this a really long time. What she's saying it's not corroborated by anything. I'm just going to point that out to the judge yeah. in the most innocent of ways. And wouldn't you know it, uh, she didn't get anything she was asking for. <laughs> and furthermore, she ended up perjuring herself because she's trying to bolster her claims. Of course. She literally said that my client was convicted of a drug conviction of ne in Nebraska. Okay. But he was not. They were both arrested... Oh. And she was convicted. And not he friend. was not. <laughs> What's more is I got her mug shot. Oh. <laughs> that we end up showing the judge. It's like, could you explain yourself? So if my client needs supervised visits of this drug conviction mm -hmm. that you say, but he wasn't convicted. Oh. Wait a minute. Weren't you convicted of that in Nebraska? Isn't this a picture of you? I would have loved to see her face <laughs> when you show her that picture. I mean. If she had an attorney, she would have never said it. Exactly. But she thought she was going to get one over. Mm -hmm. It didn't work out. And so it just didn't work out. Not That's to get funny. too much into that case. <laughs> but, hey, if you're going to say stuff like that, you run it by an attorney. Just you yes. want to make sure you do your due diligence. Anyway, so the, here, here is Beth. Um, so they have this whole thing. They play this recording between Christine and Michael. Mm -hmm. This is an excerpt of it. Um, you hear Christine in this like rambling voice. She, she is, is weird. She's like almost bipolar. In mm -hmm. the first instance, she's trying to play victim and I'm terrified. But then when Michael would chime up, you will shut your mouth. Yes. You will not say anything. And she turns into a demon. It's like, mm -hmm. wow, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Because you see it personified in this audio clip. And this is the this is kind of the audio, well, not the audio. This is the text of what was said. It's terrible, Michael. It's I'm extremely scared. They interviewed me three times, two and a half hours of this with a detective in a bulletproof vest. A bulletproof vest. Come on, man. I know. Saying, when I heard that, I was like, wow. Yeah. She says, I'm just like terrified. The boys are shaking, but I did my very best to protect you. This is worse than Natalia. And I just I I do think you intend to cause me bodily harm, to be totally honest. You're cracking your knuckles at me. And then Michael's like, hey, and it's like very sheepish Michael voice. Um, I wasn't going to, and you know that. And then she's, Don't you go into me with your weirdo freaky denial. That's the word she says. Your weirdo freaky denial. I can't deal with that right now. I mean, they could put our kids in foster care in the US. I mean, I had every reason to be complete B to you, and I was not. Um and then Michael says, uh, tries, he's trying to say something and she's just completely shutting him down. And then um, he tries to say something else. It was unclear what he said, mm -hmm. but Christine's like, it'd be very good of you if you just quit talking, quit it. Oh my God. <laughs> like that, like that. Oh. And Michael's uh, just going, okay. He just doesn't say anything. I was mm -hmm. like, wow, that is just not how, um, I, I don't know. She was very much the voice of mm -hmm. an abusive partner. Yes, okay. especially the part where she's pretty much abusing him, but at the same time trying to make him think that she's helping him. She's gaslighting. Or protecting him, yeah. This is what abusive partners yes. do. 
but she is very much the role of the abusive partner. Yes. If you ever wondered what female to male DV mm -hmm. looks like, domestic violence yes. looks like, this is what it looks like. <laughs> and for whatever right. reason, for whatever reason, Michael has put up with it. For whatever reason, mm -hmm. psychologically, he just gives into it. But it was like a real life example mm -hmm. that kind of made me feel bad for Michael. Like, wow, he really is going through. So I don't know mm -hmm. what he's went through. Not to uh, excuse him for whatever yes, all the stuff from did. Natalia, mm -hmm. but he's clearly been abused by mm -hmm. Christine. There's no doubt about it. Manipulated by him. Yeah. So she says, it'd be very good if you quit talking. Uh, this is not the time for pretending that you've never done anything bad. Here I'm telling you that we're going to be in there to face a two-year jail sentence. Your kids are shaking in the car. Uh, did you hear my kids are scared? Did you hear, you know, that I was nice to you? Did you hear these things? Listen to me. I was a good person to you, and I want you to know that. And I was pissed off. It was Valentine's Day. You think I'm screwing people. I don't have anybody in my life. You just think that. Now, you didn't intend to cause bodily harm, but I told them that I thought you were having road rage, and I don't know what they're going to do. They contacted immigration. I'm going to be dealing with immigration. Never come up here, Michael. Just stay in the U.S., that is a stream of consciousness audio recording. Go listen to the documentary. You'll hear her in real time oh in this God. evil Cruella mm -hmm. DeVille voice just berating Michael and say, Jesus Christ, how did that? I don't know, man. It, it, there's layers to this Barnett's thing. Yeah. The whole thing with him not protecting Natalia from the mm -hmm. abuse. Now, look, I still believe he was complicit in all of that, but he's clearly going through something with her. Yes. So, all right, Michelle Fra Frazee. One of Michael's friends mm -hmm. he comes back from Canada, goes to stay with Michelle. And then she was she had indicated that after he came back from Canada, he would be talking to Christine, mm -hmm. trying to talk to the boys. She'd be screaming at him, calling him an abuser and a psycho and just mm -hmm. putting him down all of this stuff. And he's taking it all just on the chin. Just no defense whatsoever. Beth chimes in. She says, why does Christine want to be in Canada mm -hmm. with the boys and leave Michael in the U.S.? Because, this is her opinion, which I agree with, maybe so Michael would be the sole parent in charge of mm -hmm. Natalia's care. And if something were to happen to Natalia, that she could claim ignorance. Mm -hmm. I was out of the country. How was I supposed to do anything? The FBI agent, Kenneth Maxwell, he chimes in. There's a text message between Michael and Christine. Um, she warned Michael, or, well, she wanted Michael to be the trustee mm -hmm. of Natalia. Mm -hmm. The dependency thing, yes. right? And there's a text message, well, I'm unable to be the trustee because I'm in Canada. That was on July 16th, mm -hmm. 2013. So that's what they're yeah. basing this off of. Um, in a court deposition. All right. So moving on. In a court mm -hmm. deposition with uh, Nicole DePaul that was taken in 2013, mm -hmm. they had uh, asked her the question. So you were asked about personal knowledge about her being neglected. I imagine there's probably an objection because she was going to speak to hearsay. Mm -hmm. But the question was, what personal knowledge do you have that Natalia was abused? Well, I got it from Natalia directly. Mm -hmm. So they let that in. It was a deposition. So there's an objection, I'd imagine, that mm -hmm. was off camera, but she was still allowed to respond. Yeah. And so she gives this response. Um, you asked about personal knowledge about her being neglected or left in the in this apartment. If you want to respond as to what Natalia told you or sent you, that would be appropriate. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, there was a picture of Natalia with bruises all over her face. Do you remember that picture? Yes. She had her hair chopped off. Mm -hmm. She looks miserable, but her face was clearly bruised. Yes. She looked like yes. a raccoon. Mm -hmm. There was a, Those were clearly black eyes. Mm -hmm. There were scratches on her face, like on the bridge of her nose, on, like mm -hmm. on her cheek. Um, 
her hair was chopped off. Her, like sunken in. Yeah, its... like she was malnutritioned yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was she had the look of an abused child. Mm-hmm. She did. Mm-hmm. This they flashed this picture up on the documentary, mm-hmm. and um, not only that, um, she had mentioned. Oh, where did I leave off? Uh, she was in this apartment, and I don't know if she had any awareness of the apartment, but. From Natalia's account, she had to climb a, f- a flight of stairs to get to, and okay. it's just not made for all the stuff you'd already talked about. Jackie Starbuck talks about that. One of the points in the criminal trial mm-hmm. was the fact that, as a dependent, Natalia, she's left on a second-floor apartment. Mm-hmm. Never mind, she needs specialized shoes and a walker to get around. She didn't have any of that. Mm-hmm. But she has to climb a flight of stairs just to get into her apartment, in and out. It takes her a long time to get that. They didn't set her up with any doctors. They didn't set her up with anyone who was sister as far as hygiene, cooking, or cleaning. Uh, Michael had a duty to care for her, and he failed to meet that duty when he abandoned her in Lafayette in a situation that endangered uh, her life and health. Mm-hmm. We talked about the duty to protect so Christina's culpable in all that. Michael is culpable in all of that. I believe criminally. They got around all of that. I'm going to summarize what we've already discussed on another episode mm-hmm. about why that was. They're going to be liable in the civil cases, for mm-hmm. sure. Those are coming. But aside from that. So Natalia goes in, and she talks about when she's in the Lafayette apartment, her power shut off mm-hmm. in the middle of summer. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever experienced a summer in the Midwest, it sucks. I had my, when I remember I was living in Ohio, I had my power go out like it, I don't know, it was like 11 o'clock at night and they didn't mm-hmm. turn it on until like four o'clock. The, the summer's over there, the mm-hmm. nights, it was like 90 degrees mm-hmm. and humid and there's no AC and you're sweating and it's the night, there's no relief anywhere and it just sucks. And she was without power for like three days. Um, she talks about everything in the fridge goes bad. I was scared, I could have died. And she talks about, I grew up way too early, and she goes on to recount her emotional, uh, the impact of all of it all. And the FBI agent goes on to say that Michael, he did do some things, yeah, even if unintentionally, to try to help uh, Natalia out. He talks about there was a communication where he's questioning Christine about why she shut off the electricity. Oh, yeah. Michael. You never gave me the electricity info. She's been without power for three days. Christine, mm-hmm. she is 24. She can fix her own AC. Mm-hmm. So she knows very well she's not 24, yeah. right? But this very cold, evil response. Michael says, look, a fan is not an AC system. Michael, I'm so incredibly pissed. I'm so incredibly pissed that this attempt to control her phone happened. That goes about when Christine took away her cell phone when, when she was in Lafayette so she couldn't contact anybody. Oh, yeah. Um, that also happened in Tippecanoe, if you recall. Yes, yes. And I that responded that. like a whole um, reaction from mm-hmm. them. So Beth Karras comes in. She's like the resident legal analyst of this documentary. She says, uh, so Michael becomes a lifeline for Natalia. He eventually gets her electricity turned mm-hmm. back on. He has an air conditioner installed. He gives her food. Um, and it basically foils Christine's plan. Um, Christine, th- these are her failures. She failed to get her locked up criminally. Mm-hmm. Nobody was believing that. All right. She tried yeah. to kill you. Tried to poison you with pledge. That didn't, that, that never stuck. So what's the next thing? Try to get her locked up in a psych ward. All right. Well, that succeeded temporarily, but there's nothing wrong with her. They released her. Um, but in the course of that, they got her reaged. Mm-hmm. So, all right. One victory. They failed to get Michael to take the fall because of these communications between mm-hmm. Michael and Christine. She had knowledge 
that Natalia was without certain things and her um, refusal to react or provide her with certain mm -hmm. things brings about legal liability. Mm -hmm. And that's for a civil suit in the future. But Michael is not the one that's going to take the fall for this. Mm -hmm. um, so at this point, the authorities get involved and um, we're going to wrap this up pretty soon. We got it like maybe 15 minutes. Okay. Um, the authorities get involved because she is attending at Lafayette County, an adult learning oh, facility. Yes. Remember? Mm -hmm. And again, I don't know what the assignment was. Maybe it was a uh, write a story of your life, write mm -hmm. some kind of biography, whatever, yeah. write something. She proceeds to write basically an autobiography, what mm -hmm. amounted to that of her entire life. This is what she said. And the way that it's written, if you look on screen, um, Dominic's going to put later the, the, this infographic. This is the letter. Mm -hmm. The handwriting is that of a child. Mm -hmm. The spelling is that of a child is not of a 22-year-old. Yes. Um, we've already, you and I have determined 100% mm -hmm. we believe she's a child. But this is what she wrote. I was born in Ukraine. And I do not remember much, so I don't know my real parents. And I was in an orphanage, so I only remember the bad stuff. And then I got a show, which or a shot, which made me pass out. And then I woke up, and I was in a baby orphanage. And I saw a guy put something on my face, like a towel or something. And then I was with the Chaconis, which was my family, but not... Uh, more and this is difficult to read mm -hmm. i can't tell what it says but and i was with so many other families and i was with the barnett's for two years and with the chaconis so she's giving this account mm -hmm. of her whole personal story i imagine the teachers got a hold of that and they're like okay like wtf yes. what is going on you guys want to take a look at this mm -hmm. and that's what prompted this 2013 investigation that led to criminal charges there were mm -hmm. six criminal charges and i'll tell you how the barnets got off of those um at the conclusion of this episode um so but what's uh meaningful in this autobiography written by natalia was the fact that very clearly it appears that she was sexually abused yes i mean it's not clear from that but no, the way but she describes they, it yeah exactly yeah they allude to and she mm -hmm. says i can't put the, the, the pieces of the puzzle mm -hmm. together I don't know what happened to me. Mm -hmm. She doesn't identify any sexual conduct. Mm -hmm. She just says, look, someone put a towel over my face. Mm -hmm. I go into what appears to be an apartment building. Mm -hmm. I'm in a doctor's office. I'm in some kind of baby orphanage. Mm -hmm. She identifies some kind of guy with a, a, a white shirt yes. who has a blank face in the eye of her mind. Mm -hmm. She can identify. Um, and she talks about that. And we have suggested... She was probably sexual abused. Yeah. What other reason would that have happened? Mm -hmm. um, they take her to the police station after the adult learning facility, mm -hmm. facility alerts the authorities. Um, that's when you get your first introduction into the man's. So mm -hmm. they identify, oh, yeah. Um, they were there. Luckily, they took me in. And around 2013 is when she goes mm -hmm. to live with the man's. They take her in. She's living with them, and she feels safe. At least they start to care for her. And for whatever's going on right now, back then, for mm -hmm. the last, for the next 10 years, they give her some form of stability. Yes. So even if they have bad motives, it, it again, it I, serves I, as a... I think that initially they did have... Wholeheartedly. Good motives. Yeah, maybe like after things became, I don't know public with the show they yeah might have had some financial interest and maybe they had some disagreements at the end but yeah. i think initially they did have some well mind you motives. 
there was publicity with this case back then. I was in law school when I, when I remember reading about this case. Yeah. Because the or, the movie The Orphan, I remember in law school specifically mm -hmm. reading about this. Oh, in real life. It's The Orphan in real life. Mm -hmm. And there was these media outlets that had written articles mm -hmm. about it. And it's like, oh, that's crazy. But I was in law school, so I didn't, you know. So they knew already that <laughs> yeah. this could have been. She may or may not. But it wasn't blown up to the point where there's an HBO Max 6 episode, exactly. two season documentary yes. about it. It's but, not the same thing to be on the news. Yeah. And to actually make money out of like a documentary. Exactly. And so even if ulterior motives, mm -hmm. it, it benefited Natalia. Mm -hmm. And I'm grateful for that, that, yeah. you know, she got something out of it. But um, they you're introduced to the mans. She says that I felt safe with the mans. They let me be a kid. Cynthia, her mom, they showed me what a dad and a mom are supposed to be like. They taught me what love is. Um, and then they bring in her biological mother onto the documentary you know she made an introduction in season one when the production team tracked her down in the ukraine and they got to i, I don't remember if she was on video or not but she definitely gave like an audio statement yes. oh yeah she's born in 2003 mm -hmm. um and we had worked out if she really was born in 1989 then her mom would have had her like a, a 10 yeah <laughs> yeah that doesn't make any sense yes. but here's her mom her biological mom makes a reappearance on the documentary mm -hmm. um she says frankly i would like her to be here with me and I understand, of course, that 19 years is a significant period, mm -hmm. but I would like her to be with me. Um, and then Natalia kind of chimes in that I don't want to be, I don't want to open the door of a relationship with Anna. Anna's her mom. Yeah. Mom's named Anna Gaba. Mm -hmm. uh, she says, I have a family here. I have my parents who raised me. She let me go that same day. I haven't been in the Ukraine since I was five. Mm -hmm. um, and they kind of reference that. So coincidentally, Whatever's going on with the man's, some of it had to do with Natalia reaching out to her biological family. So okay. maybe after the production, she did reach out yeah. and maybe... Maybe they didn't like it. But hey, this is a little girl trying to find her identity. Mm -hmm. She's still like 21 years old. When I was 21, I was, I was, I was, I was, I was a boy. It's <laughs> a child, you yeah. know? And no, I didn't know anything. I just, mm -hmm. I was just, I was so dumb. Not that I was dumb. I was just, I was immature. Yes, exactly. And so this girl... Excuse her for trying to figure mm -hmm. herself out mm -hmm. and, and uh, find her identity. But this is, uh, this is her story. They go into some of her personal experiences at the Ukrainian orphanage. I felt a little bit guilty with this one because mm -hmm. Halloween just passed. And um, I find it a lot of fun to like put on masks, like mm -hmm. zombie masks, yes. and scare the kids. But then at the end, it's like, oh, it's, Oh, just kidding. It was just dad. And there's like, oh, dad, you're being so silly. You know, that kind of thing. Like this innocent thing. Mm -hmm. But I definitely scared my children with Halloween masks because it was, you know, dads do that kind of thing. <laughs> but not malicious intent involved, yes. right? So they talk about her um, in the Ukrainian orphanage. Mm -hmm. They explain that likely there was a really high child to adult ratio. Yes. They had to do what they had to do to get the kids to fall in line. Mm -hmm. One of the tactics, which was rather unusual, was they would scare the children into mm -hmm. bed. Here's how Natalia recounts it. So we're playing. I heard stomping, and everybody runs to the bedroom. But I can't run to the bedroom because mm -hmm. WTF. I'm, an or I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little person. Yeah. Uh, physically disfigured. Um, I knew I couldn't. So I hide behind a couch. There was a big black cloak. And a green mask peering into the door, the window. Mm -hmm. To me, it was like it was the monster under my bed. Mm -hmm. I want you to remember, 
when you were seven or eight years old, what the monster under your bed looked like. What did it look like? Anamorphic darkness. It could resemble anything. Yes. Whatever you just... Anything. Most scary thing. Yeah. yeah. It was a monster under her bed. Mm -hmm. Personified. Mm -hmm. And so... I was crying. It heard me crying. It turned my way. I panicked. I crawled to the end where there was a plant. And I remember, I remember it stomping towards me. And then it peeks behind the couch. And I was so scared and it just stared at me. And I didn't know what to do. Imagine some scary mask like that in the dark in a Ukrainian orphanage and you don't have your parents mm -hmm. there and it's just going to look at you like it's mad dogging you and, you know, and, and, and the contours of your nightmares. And, and, um, and knowing that she can't really move fast to escape uh, from it, like... She froze. What else is she supposed to do except ball up like a turtle and hope for the best? It feels like one of those dreams where you're supposed to, like, move or speak and you can't. Yeah. Look, I'm all for like trying to scare the kids playfully with masks and all. But I mean, whoever did that, come on, man. That was a little, that was cool. It, it just, it, it's heartbreaking to think about how she felt in that moment, but this is her reality. And, um, you know, she said, she described it. That was the mm -hmm. scariest moment of my life. Um, she recounts the sexual assault thing. Mm -hmm. um, she said she had blacked out. Um, so she says she had blacked out. She remembers that somebody had come up behind her, covers her face with a towel. Mm -hmm. um, she remembers being carried. Mm -hmm. She saw a big apartment building. She remembers being in a doctor's office. She remembers getting a mm -hmm. shot in her arm. Who knows what that was? It was probably mm -hmm. a sedative, like you had mentioned. Mm -hmm. uh, she blacks out again. The next thing, she's laying on the couch. Um, she says, this memory has always been a mystery to me. I can't remember anything about what he looked like. Uh, the next memory I have is being back in the orphanage. And then the producers show her a picture. Yes. Remember? Mm-hmm. It was of an elderly gentleman mm -hmm. standing over a baby. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was an Italian or not. It was a guy standing over yes. a child, a baby. Looked about maybe one or two years old. Mm -hmm. um, when Natalia looks at it, she looks perplexed. She can't figure it out. She says, I don't know. I don't know what he did. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I was with him. I don't know. I don't know. Um, and that was her recounting of the, the horrors of the, uh, the orphanage. And so that was that. And then they kind of go into this transition where they're talking about the adoption proceedings. Mm -hmm. The mans are getting ready to officially adopt her and effectively get the Barnets off the hook, I guess, of being yeah. her dependents because of her disability. Um, and there was an attorney that had talked to her and they go into all that kind of stuff. We'll get into all that in episode five mm -hmm. and six. But that was the conclusion of episode four. We got to learn about all of the horrors that she went through. And that doesn't even touch on all of it because there's a lot more that was talked about in season one of the documentary. Yes. But how they would leave her outside for mm -hmm. like hours and all this kind of stuff and crazy stuff that would happen. So it was a glimpse into what this lady has, uh, Natalia, has gone through. Mm -hmm. And you want to fault her for whatever behavioral deficiency that she has exhibited since, you know, those days mm -hmm. of uh, trying to... Uh, survive and 
attach herself to a family that would at least accept her in and call her a part of their family and uh, give her love and nurture the way that that would happen. And fortunately, for whatever you think of the man's, for the last 10 years, it's been working out. Mm. Now money's involved, and now all of a sudden Antoine is upset, and he's calling and trying to sabotage. Or maybe it's the secret genius plan. Hey, there's going to be a season three. We're all going to get paid. <laughs> you know? Maybe that's the deal. Yeah. I don't know. The man's, for whatever their motives, mm -hmm. have been in a positive influence on Natalia. It mm -hmm. appears that she's now living by herself with friends or whatever. Something like that, yes. Not by herself, obviously, but with not with mans. Mm -hmm. And um, well, we I guess we will see. Yes. But um, that is our conclusion of episode four. Mm -hmm. uh, next week, we're going to be highlighting episodes five and six, and we're going to wrap up our analysis until there's something to talk about more on the mm -hmm. Natalia Grace case. And we're going to move on to Gypsy Rose and all these yes. other cases. I really want to get into Gypsy Rose. Um, but I want to make sure that I'm well informed before I do it. And um, I just, I, I need to know more. So look forward to that. Uh, Natalia, or Natalia, I just called you Natalia. <laughs> uh, truth be told, I know this is the end of episode four. We haven't been quite going for an hour, but I've been talking for like two and a half hours now. <laughs> and this is about around the point in time where I, I lose the ability to talk um but closing thoughts and how how do you feel after your return your physical return to the studio i'm exhausted but i'm happy to be here <laughs> <laughs> well you look good you, you're happy. doing it feels good to be out of like the i guess maternity bubble and just oh be that, doing like regular my wife was saying stuff. that <laughs> she was like um I bet she's like so excited to just go over there and like be an adult and not yes. like the mom for a couple of hours. Yes. It's like, yeah. It's like a little break. I mean, and it's so ironic because I I want to just like be human, just go out and do stuff. But yeah. then when I do, I'm like, oh, I'm missing my baby. Like I want to go back. <laughs> I know, <laughs> man. It's like this wicked cycle. Yes. You miss your baby and then you don't because when then you get there, it's like, gosh. Mm -hmm. Sometimes tell my wife's like, when I get home, as soon as I get home, like mm -hmm. the first 15 minutes, chaos and mess and papers yes. and kids are <laughs> like, you know what? I'm going back to work. Yes. <laughs> I'm not there yet. Still I was joking with her. I was like, you know what? I'm just trying to figure out how much child support's going to cost. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that. I was kidding around. But um, no, kids are exhausting. It's good to have you back. It's really good to have you back in studio. Happy to be back. And um, this is uh, the conclusion of episode. What are we on now? 53. This is episode 54. 50 something. Yeah. yeah. Dominic is uh, doing a great job as oh, uh, yes. the new producer of the show. Uh, if the show if the show has a new look, it's strictly because of the very talented uh, Dominic Castillo, who has been editing and making our shows look really good. Um, he is uh, the author of our um, the the newest snazzy intro that we have, and um, <laughs> a lot of other things. And so, um, if you guys are mad about any of the production stuff in the comments, I want you to get mad at him. Leave me out of it. <laughs> I'm retired from production stuff. I don't do that anymore. Um, but thank you guys so much for listening to us, and uh, be. Uh, sure to catch us next week when we mm -hmm. wrap up uh, the uh, season two season two of the Natalia Grace documentary mm -hmm. and get on to other things. Um, with that said, I love you all and I wish you well and we will see you guys next week. Bye bye. Mm -hmm.